At some point during the service, fill that out with some basic information so we can give it to our staff and they can thank you for coming. If you flip that card over, you will see a place to put in prayer requests. Anyone can write a prayer request down, and tomorrow morning, the staff will pray for each one of these. When the offering plate goes by, just drop the blue card in there, and it will get to the staff. For now, I'm going to share with you some information about what's going on in the life of our church. For my first announcement, it's for our college students. If you're a college student, thank you so much for coming to worship with us this morning. September 6th, we're going to be having an extreme slip and slide for our college students, and it's going to be called the slip and bleed. There will be huge hills, air mattress sleds, and hopefully some mandates. The event will be from 6 to 9 p.m., but we'll be meeting at the church at 545. We'll hope to see you there. Today is the first day of September, so my second announcement is for our new Pray, Give, Go emphasis of the month. If you don't know about Pray, Give, Go yet, it's where we partner with a local, national, or even international ministry to share how we can get more involved in praying, giving, and going for that ministry. This month, our partnership is with Tennessee Baptist Mission Board Golden Offering. The Golden Offering for Tennessee Missions provides the invaluable financial support for ministries that help reach Tennesseans for Christ. For more information on what the Golden Offering for Tennessee Missions does and how you can pray, give, and go this month, make sure you check out your copy of The Chronicles. Lastly, we want to remind you that discipleship groups are still going on, and this fall is a great opportunity for you and others to get involved. It is our desire at this church to see everyone involved in discipleship. If you or anyone that you know is interested in getting into one of these discipleship groups, you are welcome welcome to contact any of our staff, and we will get you plugged in. We will also be having an interest meeting soon, talking about what biblical discipleship looks like and how that vision will play out in our church. If you want to find any more information about this, you can go to fbccookville.org forward slash discipleship. That's all the announcements I have for you today. Make sure you check out the Chronicles for other announcements that I didn't mention. For both our guests and members, thank you so much for worshiping with us this morning. We hope that you have a great rest of the day and that you would be reminded of the great love that our Father has for us. See you guys. church oh, we're behind you choir <laughs> this is a guy y'all know well Wes Hutton and uh, Wes tell us your full Christian name Wesley James Hutton Wesley James Hutton and Wes uh, Wes came to me a while back and we talked just a few weeks ago and we talked he's been gone this summer and returned home for some time with mom and dad who are behind us and grandparents and brother and sister-in-law and so we're uh, we're back there talking as a family and and Wes decided to uh, follow Jesus at a, at a rather early age, at 14. He committed his life to Christ, and uh, he wanted to be used by God, wanted to follow God's will for his life, and, and uh, he has done that, and, and he's seeking God in a real way. I've, I've had the privilege of watching Wes over the, the last year and a half. Um, he, he's hung out in the music department and done a lot of things for, uh, for the music area of our church, and Getting to know Wes a little bit more. We spent some time in my office talking at, at, at various, various times. And Wes came to me and said, you know, I just really want to make this my church home. I'm going to be here for a while. And uh, I want to make this the place where I worship. And, and I'm a part of, not just on staff, but I, I want to be here. He's, he's uh, at school at Tech. And he's in his uh, senior year. So he'll be here for a little bit longer. And, well, we really don't know how long you'll be right. here. God knows that. It is confusing, isn't it? <laughs> but uh, God knows that. And, and he said, while I'm here, I'm going to commit my life to First Baptist Church. I want to be a part of it and invest here. So 
having uh, followed Jesus at 14 and and now just uh, making a, a public statement in his baptism to you that he wants to be obedient to Christ. He wants to live for Jesus. And, and we're a family here. We, we hold each other up. We walk with each other. We encourage each other. And, and Wes being part of the body of Christ, but also part of First Baptist, uh, we'll, we'll love him and nurture him and encourage him and disciple him and see him grow in his faith. So uh, excited today for what God's doing in your life, Wes. And we as a church family, we stand behind you and support you. And uh, i got a couple questions to ask you. Have you truly trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? I have. Uh, do you want to walk with Him the rest of your life? I do. Well, my brother, it is a privilege to know you. It's a privilege to be a part of this stage of your life. And it's a privilege to baptize you. And I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried with Him in baptism. Raised to walk in newness of life. Amen. again, church family. So good to see you this morning. We're glad you're here. As uh, we uh, saw in the video uh, that Noah did, uh, if you've uh, not been here in a while, this is your first time, uh, we'd ask you to take those blue cards right there in front of you in the pew rack and fill those out. And later on this morning when we have our time of offering, uh, would you please put those in the offering plate so we'll have a record of your visit. And if any of you have a prayer request, uh, please look at the back of that card, fill that out, and uh, also put it in the offering plate, and the staff will be praying for you. We uh, gather together as a staff weekly, and we go every, over every one of those cards, and we pray. So I would ask you to do that. Again, we're glad you're here this morning as we worship the Lord Jesus, and we're going to stand right now and greet one another in the name of the Lord. This morning with the song, Let's High the Name of Jesus. Let's lift our voices to him as we praise him.
If y'all have fun with it, we have fun playing it up here. I don't know if you can. You, could you could you hear the fiddle? He was having some fun. He was staring. I think he's got smoke coming off of him, but that's good. All right, we're going to continue on those. We lift up the high in the name of Jesus this morning. We're going to continue with the hymn, old hymn of the faith. Rejoice, the Lord is King. Let's lift our hearts to Him as we sing. This morning comes from Romans 5, um, chapter 5, verse 7 and 8. It says, For rarely will someone die for a just person, though for a good person perhaps someone might even dare to die. But God gives his, his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, 
Christ died for us. We serve a great God that gave His Son for our sins. And if there's one thing that, that we want you to leave from here this morning, if you don't know Him, to know Him. If you do know Him, to, to understand and even go deeper that His love is incredibly deep for us. We rejoice because we, we worship a great and a mighty King. But He's great and mighty because of what He's done for us. I would dare say that even if He didn't do it, He'd still be great and mighty. But we come to understand it through His love, through the deep, deep love of Jesus. So we're going to continue on this morning worship by singing How Deep Others Love. Thank you. 
so much. That wounds have paid our ransom, Lord. We don't have to wander around in darkness anymore. Father, a verse of that of that song that just sticks out in my head, that we are ashamed. I hear my mocking voice calling out among the scoffers, the ones who, who made fun of you, Lord. It was my sin that put you there. I might as well have been one of those that was making fun of you, hanging on the cross. But, Lord, I thank you for your forgiveness that I don't have to live in that. God, that our sins can be forgiven and that we can have life everlasting with you. So this morning, Lord, as we as we continue in worship, as the choir comes to sing, Lord, uh, as we've realized that we serve a great and a mighty and an amazing God in you, Lord, we know that no matter what we face in life, Lord, the love you displayed for us, you continue to display for us, Lord. When we go through trials, when we go through uh, tragedies, when we go through things that are just hard, Lord, the fires of our lives, Lord, that you walk with us through them. Lord, that you don't leave us alone just to wander aimlessly. You are walking through the fire with us. So as we continue on in worship this morning with the choir singing, Lord, may we realize that truth and rest in that knowledge, knowing that you are looking out for us. In Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated.
to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Hey, turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3 is where our text will come from today. In the last couple of weeks, I've been trying to point us in the direction of where we're going uh, for the next several weeks. We're going to be talking about knowing God and uh, what it's like to know God personally. Let me ask you a question. Do you want a closer personal walk with God? And if you do, if, you, if you're desiring a closer walk with God, it's going to take some effort upon your part. Uh, we, we can't just come in here and, and as good as it is to come in here and worship the Lord and sing some good songs and, and sit here on the pew and, and hear a message from God. That's all good, but we've got to do a little bit more than that. It's going to mean that we've got to leave out of this place and we've got to take the Word of God serious. We've got to dive into it and we've got to apply it to our lives and we've got to see the work of God in our life as we, we study the Word of God. So today I'm going to focus on the, one of the first uh, spiritual disciplines, the way we can, we can really begin to walk in our life more closely to God, and that's going to have to begin in His Word. So today I want to talk with you about the Word of God. God has preserved His Word for us. He, he looked down upon humanity. He knows every single thing about me and every single thing about you. And, and God has said in His infinite wisdom, my people need to know me personally. And I want them to know me personally, so I'm going to give them a book that will stand the test of times. I'm going to give them something they can open up and turn to. And when they read it, I'll speak to them as alive and well, and, and they can hear me. They can feel me in their heart and the presence of their lives. And God wanted us to have that intimate relationship through His Word. So as we, uh, as we dive in today to this, just the first uh, few verses we're going to look at in 2 Timothy, that, well, that will just kind of be the beginning point of where we're going to go this morning. We're going to go through several scriptures, so if you're a note taker, uh, get, get your notes out and let's, uh, let's pen and paper and let's uh, write down some scriptures, go back and study this and, and, and walk through this text to understand what does God really want to say to me and how is He going to say it if I don't have the Word of God active in my life. I'd invite you to stand with me and let's read God's Word together. 2 Timothy chapter 3, beginning in verse 16. God's Word says, All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the privilege to come together this morning in this place. God, just to, to assemble ourselves before you and hear your word preached. God, I'm grateful that we were able to sing to the glory of who you are. God, in our best efforts, we've just exalted your name on high. Now, God, I know you've appointed this time for us to be before you. Now, I pray, God, you would anoint me with the power from the Holy Spirit to speak your words of truth and wisdom into the hearts of all people. God, open our hearts. Let us not sit here and, and, and just in, and not be active and participating in your word and not allowing it to penetrate our lives. But God, penetrate our hearts today with your word. We thank you, Father, for your love. Thank you for this privilege. We pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said. Amen. Hey, I want you to understand that the Bible is completely God's Word. And, and we see that right out of the gate when we, when we read this text. It says, all Scripture, all Scripture is inspired by God. Not, not some Scripture, not most of Scripture, but all of Scripture. Every single word from Genesis 1-1 to Revelation 22, the end of the chapter. Every single word 
is inspired by God. So when we open God's Word and we begin to read the Word of God, this is not just a book that we have from history. It's not just some parts of it are good for us, but every single part of the Bible is very profitable for us and is very important that we read and take in the Word of God. Every bit of God's Word is God's Word. All of it. God spoke it. He breathed it into our lives. And he, he, he intends for us to take it and apply it to our lives. So as we look at this text this morning, we see all Scripture is inspired by God. That, that may be in your translation, or if you look in other translations, may, may find it there where it says all Scripture is God breathed. God, God's breathed this Word to us. Now, I want to think about that for a minute. In the very beginning of all of creation... If we go to Genesis chapter 1 and we read that chapter, we find something that eight or nine times, I forget exactly how many, but you can look and, and count it up and you'll know. We see a phrase that consistently repeats itself in that chapter. And God said, and God said, and God said, and God said. When God said something, something happened. Something big happened. When God spoke, things happened in the world around us. God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God said, let the light be divided between the darkness and, and the day and, and let there be a, a, a one greater uh, star to rule over the day and one lesser over the night. And he said, and let the seas be filled with creatures. And he said, and let us create in, the image, in our image mankind like us. And he did that. And everything when God said something, something happened. I mean something big happened. God made a difference. He created every single thing in this entire world. He created, and He created out of absolutely, positively nothing. The, the Hebrew text would tell us in Ex Nihilo, he, he created everything. So in absolute nothingness, God made something that was amazing, and He did it through the speech. He spoke it into being. So in other words, the wind of His lungs came through His, through his body, if you will, and through the vocal cords, and, and He spoke, if we're looking at it like mankind. When He spoke, something happened. When we speak, something happens. I don't understand how all that works. There's, there's good doctors that can tell you all about that, but I'll tell you this. When God spoke, things happened. And the all Scripture, every bit of it that we have before us today, every bit of that Scripture was God-breathed and God-spoken into this world. So we, we know that God spoke it, God said it, and, and things happened. Now, God is a great, great lover of humanity. We are the crown of His creation. He created you, and you, and you, and you, and you, and you, and me. And He created us for a very specific purpose and plan. He loves you. He loves me. And he said, you know what? In my love for you, I want to have a relationship with you. So he spoke into not only creation, but he spoke into the, the people's heart that God used the men in, it, in this world to write this text so that it would be preserved for all time. And you and I would have a copy of God's literal word, one that we can read and understand and speak into our heart. Now, I want you to understand something. I've been, I've been around this world. Many of you have traveled. You've seen, you've seen a lot of places in the world. I, I've been in some great libraries. I've been at Oxford and, and, and on the campus there and, and gone into one of the greatest libraries in the world and, and looked around. It's pretty awe-inspiring. But I guarantee you this. None of us in any setting and anywhere around this world could go into any great library or any great place and pull 66 books written over a 1,500-year period of time by over 40 different authors 
in three different languages on three different continents and tell the same story. In fact, we'd find a lot. We could pull 66 books and they'd tell all kinds of stories, but they wouldn't tell the same story. But I'm telling you right here before me, I have a copy of God's Word from cover to cover. I can open that Word, the Word of God, and it speaks the same story from cover to cover into my life and yours. We've got something that's pretty remarkable. Amen? So in, in understanding that, we see all the intricacies of which when God spoke in Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2, when He spoke things into creation, when we see all the intricacies, I mean, we can dive to the depths of the ocean and we can find things that are awe-inspiring and when we see them, they, will, they captivate us by the intricacies of which God created and, and specifically for that depth of the ocean. And then when we looked into the, the known universe, I mean, we've got to look to great heights to see just what we know of the universe. We don't even know what's beyond what we know of the universe, but that which we know of the universe, when we look as far out as we can, folks, we see things that leave us in awe of God. Now, a God that could create and did create from the greatest heights of heaven to the lowest depths of the sea, all those intricacies, I want you to understand today, it would be inconceivable that that God could not write a book through the heart of men and it be accurate. Amen? Does that give you any assurance that we are, we're holding not, not just some book, but the book that God spoke? And I'm telling you, it's been through translations. And, and, and we could sit here and have a, 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 a loving debate about what translation is better than the other. And I'll just tell you, let's go back to the Greek and the Hebrew if you really want to get into it. Amen? I mean, if we really want to get into what's the best translation we can get, uh, I'll pick up the Nestle Alon and we'll go to the, the Greek and we'll read it. And we'll, we'll go back and we'll read the Hebrew and, and we'll study that together. But I'm going to tell you, I'm not well equipped for that. I mean, as a pastor, I can do it with all the tools of this world today and the Internet. I can do a lot of it and you can too. But that, I'm not real good at that. I mean, I've done a lot of it, but I'm not real good. I'm real good at picking up God's Word, though, and knowing this, that the Spirit of God who lives in my life is the Spirit of God that wrote in the heart of men to communicate to them the truth of His Word. And I know this, He can translate it in my heart to bring about glory to Him. And I know that with all my life. So we see that we have a, a word, the Word of God, a, a Bible, a book, a, a 66 books collected together. And I know that God, the intricate God that He is in design and creation, has brought together a credible witness to who He is and He speaks it into our lives. So, so God has successfully presented to us not only a Bible, but He successfully presented to us every single word that I need and that you need so that we can know Him as intimately as possible. Now, I've not seen God face to face, and you haven't either. But I know this. In His Word, I can come very close to Him. I know all I need to know. I can learn a lot about Him, His character. I can learn a lot about what His plan is for my life. I know this, that he, he can call me to many things. And, and what he does in the Word of God is he calls me to himself. And, and what he does is he tells me, he says, i got a will for your life, and I know the will I have for your life. We, uh, many can recite a verse out of, out of uh, Jeremiah 29, verse 11. God has a plan for us. We know that. He's got a plan and a purpose for our life. He wants to prosper us. He doesn't want to destroy us. He doesn't, he doesn't seek to diminish us. He seeks to build us up. We, we can see that. And we know in 29.13 that if we seek Him with all of our heart, we can find Him. 
So God says, hey, I've got a plan for you, and I want your plan. I want my plan to be understood in your life. I want you to come to me. I want you to grasp that plan, and if you'll seek it out, I'll show it to you. In fact, in Scripture, we can find that God's will for our life is very evident. Have you ever wondered what God's will is for your life? You ever been like, I wonder what God's will is for me. Well, the Bible tells us what His will for your life is and mine. 1 Thessalonians 4 tells us in verse 3, This is the will of God, your sanctification. God wants to sanctify you. God wants to change and transform you. He wants to take you from the who you used to be to the who He designed you to be. By redeeming you, He gives you the opportunity to understand and express the image that God has for you. So God wants us to be in that, re- in that realm. He wants us to walk in that and, and, and know the will that He has for us. And He's telling us here, all Scripture is inspired by God and it's profitable. Young Timothy understood the profit of God's Word, how profitable it was for him. I want you to flip back maybe a page or two in your Bible to 2 Timothy chapter 1. And I want you to read with me just a few verses. Beginning in verse 5, it says this, For I am mindful of the sincere faith within you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am sure that it is in you as well. For this reason I remind you to kindle afresh the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and of love. And of discipline. So as we look in this text today, we see there was a, a foundation. Paul's saying, hey, young Timothy, there's something going on in your life. You have had before you the Word of God. And it has been important that, that these others have instilled the Word of God in your life. Eunice and uh, Grandmama and, grand, uh, grandmama and Mama have, have taught you and they, they, they've brought the Word to you and they've They've shown you the Word of God, and, and now you've got to do something. You've heard the Word of God, but he says in there, he says, kindle afresh and anew. We, we have to do something. What we've got to do is we can hear the Word of God, but it is important that you and I take the Word of God and apply it to our lives, that it's, it's kindled afresh in our life, that we are studying the Word of God. And, and Paul, he put his hands on Timothy. He said, man, you're, you're a guy I can put my hands on, and I've got confidence in you. And, uh, and, and I remind you that you kindle this in your life. And For God has given us not a spirit of timidity, but He has given us a, a, a power. A power from what? From Him. God says He is powerful. He is all-powerful. And we recognize the power of creation. We know that God is all-powerful. And He has created us for power. So He's given us power. And in giving us power, He's also given us the ability to love. See, He loves us and... He teaches us what true love is, and, and now we can take the love of God and we can apply it to our lives and apply it to others. Not only that, though, we've got power and love and discipline. It, it means that we have to discipline ourselves in regard to the Word of God to know Him and know Him better. So young Timothy, he understood that. And I, I just want to say today, parents, grandparents, brother, sister, Friend, we all have a role in this life where people look into us and we all have the privilege to look at others and say, let me show you what I found in God's Word. I mean, God's Word is alive and it's active and I've found some things that are really neat and I just, I just tell you it's transformed my life so I want to I wanna help you understand how it can transform yours and we ought to be seeking to teach the Word of God. 
I think about teaching the Word of God and the value of the Word of God. And I think about Jochebed. Anybody know who Jochebed is? That's Moses' mother. You know, Moses was uh, put in a basket and floated in a river, and here came Pharaoh's daughter, and he picked, she picked uh, old Moses up out of there and found mother and said, you raise him. And, and I think a lot of times in our life, what we, what we think is that, you know, the Scriptures, the, the Word of God is for people at a certain age to grasp. That when they get old enough, we'll teach them the Scriptures, we'll teach them the Word of God. I just want to say it's never too early to start reading the Word of God and instilling the truths of God's Word in people's lives. Culturally, we understand. We don't understand biblically. It doesn't tell us how long uh, that, that mom had, Jochebed had Moses. It doesn't tell us that in the Scriptures. But we understand if we study the culture of that day that many times they would have a child for somewhere between three to five years of age. They would nurse that child. And, and Jochebed got to nurse Moses, not only physically raising him, but spiritually raising him. In the first three to five years, somewhere in that range, God used Jochebed to speak the truths and the oracles of his word into the heart of Moses. And it instilled in him so much truth that when he left the family household that he was being raised in, and he went across the way and lived in the, in the house with with uh, Pharaoh, the, being with Pharaoh did not, did not take him off of the truth that he knew, that had been planted in his heart. In fact, he lived with Pharaoh from that time, whatever, that three, four, five, six years old, however old that was, from then all the way till he was an adult man. But he never forgot the Hebrew God. And, he, and we came to the point that God wanted to raise up a leader to lead the people of God out from under Pharaoh. Who did he raise? Y'all can answer. There you go. I figured y'all knew. I just wanted to hear you. <laughs> but Moses led the people. How could Moses lead the people of God if he didn't know God? Paul knew that young Timothy had been taught by Lois and Eunice. God, God instilled in Moses' heart the Word of God. The Word of God being taught to all of us is so important because what it does, it draws us into a relationship with God so that we intimately and personally know God. And, and that's what this is about. We, we, we're, he, he's telling us that you're not going to find an unknown God. You're, you're not going to study just a, a history book, but all Scripture is, is not just a good thing to read, but it's inspired by God. It's God-breathed literally into humanity, and it's profitable for us to study it. So we see that every word in the Bible is God's Word, and we also see that every word in the Bible is profitable. So what is it profitable for? Well, Paul tells young Timothy here, it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. So it's got its, got its point right there. It tells you what it's profitable for. And what does that mean? Well, it's profitable for teaching doctrine. What is doctrine? It's God's will. It's the, the right from the wrong. It's, it's profitable that you would study Scripture so that when we are in the world and we're walking among other people who have many opinions, when we're, we're just living life, we don't have to guess what's right or what's wrong. We can know what's right or what's wrong, not by the world's standards, but by God's standards. I can know in my heart of hearts. I can know factually what God wants me to do in this situation and to make this decision in the most godly way. 
I could give you a bunch of examples. Our world deals with this on a regular basis. We know that it's not right to murder, right? How do we know that? We know that because it's in the Word of God. God says, I created in my image. Therefore, my image is expressed in every single individual in this world. I have expressed my image in them. Now, it has been marred by sin, but I sent my Son to redeem that image in that individual and draw them into my likeness again, and that image is supposed to be upheld. The image of God is valuable. Every single person, hear me, church, from conception to final breath is valuable in God's sight. There's no one in between that is not valuable. Every person, no matter who they are, where they live, what's going on in their life, what they've done, how much sin they've had in their life, or how much good they've done in their life, they're valuable in God's sight. So we, we recognize that the, the Bible... It's, it's being taught, and it's, it's the doctrines are being revealed to us so that we know right from wrong. In fact, it says for teaching and for reproof. You know, there are times in our life we need reproof. What does that mean? We need to understand what's wrong. And God's Word tells us what's right. And God's Word also tells us what's wrong. I don't have to guess about what's right and what's wrong. God's Word tells me what's wrong. Thus saith the Lord, if he says it's an abomination to him, it's an abomination to him and it should be an abomination to me. History does not change that. God didn't wake up in the 21st century and say, you know what, I just feel like I ought to give in. I ought to just let them live like they want to. I know I said it was an abomination. Man, maybe I was a little hard on that. Maybe I ought to be a little easier on these, these humans. No, God said if it's wrong, if it was wrong when God stated it was wrong, it hasn't changed. God is not evolving into a better position for acceptance of our lifestyle. God is trying to redeem us from the sin and carry us into His likeness. But that means that we have to understand what's wrong. So the Word of God is, is profitable for teaching us doctrine, what's truth and what's right. Also for teaching us what's wrong. And He tells us there not only for, for the teaching aspect and the, of right and wrong, but also for correction. Oh, we love correction, don't we? Well, God says, I reprove those whom I love. I discipline those whom I love. I correct those who are going wrong, and He desires to bring us into right standing. God doesn't want us to live in wrong. God wants us to live in right. But He's got to bring us out. He's got to show us and correct us. And How does He correct us? Oh, my Savior went to a cross at Calvary, and He hung between heaven and earth. And he stretched out his arms as far as the east is from the west. And he separated us from our transgressions. By a single act of, of so amazing and so loving and so divine, he, he laid his life out for my sin and for yours. And he offered us to be redeemed. And he corrects us. He takes us from the wrong in our life to the right that He has designed for our life. But it is a work of God, not a work of man. I'm here to tell you, church, I can't help you get right. I can help you. I can't make you right. Only God can make you right. And that's by agreeing with what He's done at Calvary. So we, we see that the Bible is profitable for understanding what's right, understanding what's wrong, and even correcting our wrong actions. Jesus said, All who call upon My name shall be saved. First John 1 John 1.9 says, if we, if we sin... 
and we're faithful to confess that sin, God is faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sin. He can cleanse up, clean up, He can cleanse us, He can clean up what we've done wrong. He can fix up what we've messed up. When we sin, He is a Savior that can overcome that sin, and we just need to lay our life before Him. So we see that the Word of God is profitable. I wouldn't know that Jesus died on a cross at Calvary. I wouldn't know the intricacies of His love for me if it weren't for the Word of God. If all we had over the last several thousands of years was the oil translation and the oil repetition of the Word of God, I believe somewhere it would have gotten mixed up and confused. Have you ever told somebody something, they told somebody something, they told somebody something? How often was it right by the time it got back around? Now, we did depend on oil telling of the, the, the biblical story for many years before writing. We understand that. And God preserved it in those people so that they could write it down. So we have that before us. God could have done that, but I, I'm telling you, God gave us the Word of God, His Word, His written Word, so that we could know Him. And from Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2, which is the creation of all things known to mankind, to Revelation 21 and 22, which is the recreation of all things not yet seen, but will be one day. In between those two chapters in the front and those two chapters in the back, we have the greatest love story of redemption for folks that are lost. He draws us into a relationship through His Word. So we have the, we have the, the profitability of the Bible for our relationship. But now Satan has been attacking the authority of God's Word forever. Ever since the Word of God was spoken, Satan has tried to destroy it. Do you hear what I'm saying, church? Why is that? Why has Satan tried to diminish and destroy the Word of God? Because God's Word calls us to Himself, calls us to redeem us and to, to save us and restore us. And, and it's the truth. And Satan is the father of lies. So obviously, truth versus lies, if he's the father of lies and God is, is truth, we know that God the Father is truth. Scripture tells us that. God the Son is truth. We know that because Scripture tells us. And the Holy Spirit is truth, because Scripture tells us that. So we've got the triune nature of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are truth, opposed to the guy who is called Satan, who is the father of lies, and he seeks to destroy every single one of us. If he can diminish the Word of God, then he can set us apart from God. In fact, we see from the very beginning, Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, it didn't take long. We've got the creation account in 1 and 2. And in Genesis chapter 3, I want you to uh, read on the screen or you can flip there if you'd like. I'm going to read a passage of Scripture to you. Genesis chapter 3 verse 1 says this, Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, God, indeed has God said, You shall not eat from any tree of the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat. But from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat from it or touch it or you will die. And the serpent said to the woman, Surely, you surely will not die. For God knows that in the, in the day you eat of it or from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So in this text, I mean, just from the very beginning, we've got, we've got Satan who is trying to diminish the Word of God. God has said, do not eat from that tree, but all the others you can have. 
ladies and gentlemen, why is it in this life that you and I, I'm, I'm going to put us all in the same boat. Maybe you can correct me later, but I think most of us are here or we'll get there at some point in time. Why is it that if they say you can't touch that, we go after it? You tell a kid, you don't, don't touch that. The first thing they're going to do is try to go after it. I mean, we have all the garden but one tree. And what we got to do, go get that one tree. It is so amazing. All the garden and we go after one tree. And what did Satan say? Did, did God really say that? Oh, what does he do? First thing he wants to do is, is get you to question the Word of God. Because if you question the Word of God, then you'll begin to question the way of God. And you'll begin to question the will of God for your life. The next thing you know, you're way, way, way off course. Satan wants to diminish the Word of God. Always has, and he always will. Satan's opposed to God. He's a liar. And I'm telling you this, those who follow Satan suffer the consequences of the sin in their life. We see it vividly before our eyes as the man and the woman. If we kept reading in Genesis chapter 1, the man and the woman, they, they find themselves in a mess and they begin to try to cover their own sin. What did they do? They took leaves from a fig tree and they began to make their own loincloths. Now, have you ever tried making clothes out of leaves? See, Adam and Eve never seen anything die before. Those leaves had always been there. Those leaves look good every single day. They never saw a fungus on a leaf. They never saw a leaf fall off in the winter. They never saw anything die. They always saw living leaves. They thought those things would live forever. But you know as well as I do, as soon as a leaf dries out, it gets crumbly. I doubt it was very comfortable. It would have been very itchy. But God didn't leave them in their leaves. God looked at them and said, I love you enough to slay one of my very own. And he took an animal and he shed blood for the first sin. And that blood sacrifice covered the sin of Adam and Eve. didn't cover the consequences. They still had the consequences to walk through because of that sin. But it covered the sin. And God made for them coverings for themselves. What a gracious God we serve. He didn't stop there, though. The sin of one animal for one sin, the sin of an animal for a nation, and the sin of... Uh, the, the sin of a nation was covered by an animal, and then the sin of a whole world was covered by his son Jesus. The final atonement for sin has been placed on the cross at Calvary and paid. It is finished. What an amazing Jesus we have. I mean, that ought to make you want to shout hallelujah right there. At least we don't have to slay animals today, right? Because I bet if all of you came in here and laid all your sins on the offering and we had to I mean on the altar and we had to slay an animal for every one of your sins, who oh boy, we'd fill up walnut and spring. You know, but praise God that he shed his own blood to cover our sin. What an amazing God. So we, we know this word is God's word, and we know this, this word, the Bible, is profitable. I just want you to think through a couple of texts with me real quickly as we, we look. Um, how, does this, how does this develop? Well, how can I be sure, Scott, that the word of God it's truly for me. Um, well, Jesus is our only sacrifice for sin. And He is truth. So we see in, in John chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So the Word was Jesus. The Word was God. He, he came 
became the Word, and he is identified as the Word, and he was the Son of God, and he, he created everything, the rest of the Scriptures tell us. But then we see in verse 14, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and of truth. So the Word of God is, is full of truth and full of grace. The Word of God is not restrictive. It's not condemning. It, it, does have, it does have the conviction. I'm telling you, we live in a world today that doesn't want any conviction. Hello? No conviction. We don't want conviction. But let me tell you something. Where there's no conviction, there'll be no confession. And where there's no confession, there'll be no conversion. So we've got to see in our lives, we've got to be convicted of things so that we can confess those to a holy God and be converted from where we used to be and who we used to be to who God wants us to be. So we see that the Word of God became flesh and He dwelt among us and, and He is full of grace. That grace draws us to Him. He's full of truth. And we see that. Not only there, but we, if we look in 1 Peter chapter, chapter 1, verse 25, it says, But the Word of the Lord endures forever. So the Word of the Lord didn't just die when Jesus died on the cross. The Word of the Lord endures forever. Everything that Jesus said was the Word of God because He was God when He spoke. He spoke the Word of God. And it didn't just die there on the cross, but it became, it became the, the enduring Word of God. It says, and this is the Word which was preached to you. So we know this Word, and it's proclaimed before us. And not only that, but we see in Hebrews, we see in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, where it says, um, verse 12, it says, For the Word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, and piercing as far as the division of the soul and the spirit of both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So the Word of God is, is not, as I've said before today, it's not the dead Word of God. It's not something that's an old, crusty book. It is the living, active Word of God. And I'm telling you folks, when we put our life in front of the Word of God, and we spend time in the Word of God, seeking God's will for our life, He gets very active in our lives. He speaks very clearly. He draws us in into a personal, intimate, well-knowing of Him relationship. I told a story last week, and I think it's just not, it's probably an appropriate illustration for every single time we come together. But it's that kid that was riding down the road, and his daddy said, how big is God? And he said, I don't know. And he said, well, look up in the air, a little plane flying through the air, and it was a big jetliner flying across the sky. And he said, how big is that plane? He said, it ain't very big, Dad. It's pretty small. They rode down the road and came across the airport, and there was a 747 turning around at the end of the runway. He said, how big is that plane? He said, that plane's huge, Dad. He says, son, that's a lot like God. The further you are from him, the smaller he seems. But the closer you are to him, the bigger he seems. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you, if you draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. He says, resist the devil and he will flee. But you have to draw near to God. You've got to want to be near to God. You've got to seek God. You've got to want him in your space. You know what I mean? You've got to say, God, I want you to invade who I am and, and help me be who you want me to be. I can't just sit here and say, God, I want to keep you at arm's length. I want, to, I want to distance myself so much from you. But no, we've got to say, Lord, no barriers come and invade my life. Hebrews 4 tells us it is the living Word of God. It's active. Now, it does cut. It, it divides, man. It, it, it comes into my life and cuts things out of my life that don't need to be in my life. I mean, if you want to be comfortable for a few years and you think comfort is found in the flesh... The Word of God is going to put you in an uncomfortable position. But I'll tell you this, I'd rather God cut things out of my life now 
and me be eternally secure, then I had to live in a, in a distanced life and relationship from God and Him not change anything or transform me and spend eternity in hell. And that's our choices, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, plain and simple, that's our choices. But God, a gracious, loving God, says, I want you to come to my word, lay your life before my word, and I will, I will pour into you and I will change and challenge your life. So how do we draw close to God? How do we do that? Through His Word. How do we, what does that really look like? Pastor, what does it look like to really draw near to God? We've got to ask that question. Well, it's going to happen when we study His Word. It matters. I'm not talking about just reading His Word. Have you ever read anything, you know, like you read a paragraph, read a page, read a half a book? I don't know. Have you ever read a, a, a consumed some material? It went in and kind of somewhere it didn't connect and it kind of went out. Like, I mean, sometimes I'm serious. I'll sit down. I know I'm the only one in this room that does this, but I'll sit down. I'll read, like, something. I'll try to read a piece of literature. I might even read the Bible and be sitting there reading. I'm thinking about what I'm going to eat for dinner. I'm thinking about what I'm going to do as soon as I get done with this. And my mind goes on to so many. Does anybody else in this room do that? Oh, so I'm not the only one. Misery loves company, right? Well, let me tell you what the truth of that is. What that means is that's not, I read the Bible, checklist, move on. I got it this morning. I read, I read a verse of Scripture. I mean, I got one on my phone. I, y'all have heard me say, I've got two guys that for 15 years have texted me every single day. Every single day for 15 years they've texted me a verse of Scripture. Two, the first two guys that discipled me. That's pretty awesome, ain't it? But me getting up in the morning and, and me reading those two verses of Scripture doesn't mean I've studied God's Word. Oh, I can read them and move on. And it never penetrate my heart. But God wants us to study His Scripture. He wants us to dive in and study the Word faithfully and, and put our life before the Word and let it penetrate our heart and, and make a difference in us. So if we're going to do that, it's not going to happen by just a general reading while we're distracted by the world. But we've got to intentionally set time and say, you know what? The most important thing I do right now is read this and understand it. And I'm telling you, if you miss it the first time, it's okay. Read it the second, third, fourth, fifth. Read it until it makes a difference. I want to challenge you to something. One of the things that's meant so much to me in my life, getting up in the morning and opening God's Word and not just reading a chapter or not just trying to read a book um, of the Bible, but say, Lord, I don't know how much I'm going to read this morning, but I'm going to sit right here before you and God, I want you to, I want you to, I'm going to read to, I hear you speak to me about my life. I, I want to read till I hear you. And I'm talking about just get before God an unlimited amount of time. God, it don't matter if I stay here for three minutes or if I stay here for 30 minutes or if I stay here for three hours. The world will wait on me. Okay? And nothing's going to happen today that's going to change the course of history majorly by me being an hour late to something if God's speaking. Are y'all all right? I'm being serious. I know y'all are important. Y'all are important people. I came to realize several years ago, I, did not, I need to leave my cell phone on 24-7. The ambulance could get there better and quicker and do a better job when they got there than I could. There are times that I need to just un, unplug, disconnect, and focus on the Lord Jesus Christ and my relationship with my family. And I, I'm serious, ladies and gentlemen. We are so connected that we're disconnected. You hear me? We so know everything that's going on, we don't have a clue what's going on. And until we disconnect from the world around us for a few minutes and sit before Jesus and let Him speak into our hearts, until we do that, 
We don't know what's going on. We don't know what, how to handle tomorrow. We don't know how, when that devastation happens in your life and mine, we don't know who to turn to. But when we, when we spend time with Jesus and we experience him in our, uh, right there, you know, that place, that, that place that you just feel and feel your, feel that spot. And you, it's so real. You know, you know, it's right there sitting talking to you. Until you've had that, folks, you, you, you might not know how to handle tomorrow. Oh, but when you've had him so close to you that he just, he just gets in your life and you feel him right there, you know you can call on him and say, Daddy, I need your help. And he'll be there right then. Oh, but if you don't have that relationship, oh, if you've pushed him away, if you've not drawn to him and he's not drawn to you, when that happens, you won't have a clue what to do. But he wants to be right there with you. He longs for that. But we not only have to want to get there and study His Word, we've got to apply the Word to our lives. I want to share a few more verses of Scripture with James chapter 1 says this in verse 22. But prove yourselves to be doers of the Word and not merely hearers only, deluding themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the Word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. Wow. But one who looks intently at the perfect law of the liberty, the law of liberty, and abides in it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. Oh, what a powerful word. To come before the Lord of God the Lord of all lords, the God of all gods, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and sit before Him and listen to His Word. Let it penetrate our lives and then get up and go do something about it. I'm telling you, we're no better if we hear the Word of God and don't apply the Word of God. I can tell you today, He's a lover of you and He wants to be in a relationship with you, but if you get up and walk out of here today and you don't apply that to your life, oh, it's going to be devastating. I'm being serious with you. It's going to be devastating. But you'll never, ever, I mean, hear me, church, you'll never be disappointed, ever be disappointed if you seek Him with all of your life. You'll know Him. And you'll know Him in a real way. And He'll be, He'll be your Lord. And, and you'll be in that intimate, personal relationship. With him. I know you're going to go through highs and lows and struggles. Things are going to get rough. We live in the world that's fallen. It's so much easier when we're going through it with a loving Savior. Be a doer of the Word. Lord. Psalm 119, 105 tells us this, Your Word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. That, that means, let me just tell you, church, there are times when you're reading the Word of God that, that it's a lamp unto your feet. You, you, you can't even begin to see the pathway before you because you don't know what the next second's going to be. And it's like God just gives you enough light to see your feet, okay? But if we're in the Word of God, at least can, we can look down, we can see what next step we need to take. And sometimes life is one step at the time. And then occasionally, God will give us a little more perspective and He'll say, let me tell you, there's the pathway, boy, go down it. And we'll be able to see down that pathway of life. Not all the time do we see as far as we'd like to see ahead, but I'm telling you this, if we're in the Word of God, we'll at least have enough knowledge of where to, where to plant our feet next and walk with God. I, I, I love the fact that his, his Word is a lamp to my feet and His Word is a light to my path. Not only that, but it, it also tells us in Psalm 119, verse, verse 11, says, Your word I've hidden in my heart. Your word I've treasured in my heart. 
so that I may not sin against you. Oh, we need the Word of God in our heart, folks. If we don't have the Word of God in our heart, guess what we're going to do? We're going to sin against God. It's just plain and simple right there before you. But when the Word of God is planted in our heart, we know His will. We're better and more likely to choose His will over the sin of this world. We've got to plant the Word in our heart. Romans 12, 2 tells us this. says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what is the will of God, which is good and acceptable and perfect. Do you want the perfect will of God in your life? then something in your life has to be transformed, and it's the mind. Because this world has transformed us to the things of this world. We have to be transformed by the renewing of our mind into the likeness of Christ. God desires, oh, He so greatly desires to have a relationship with you. And in a relationship, that brings influence. So you've got to allow God to influence your life. If you're going to have a real relationship with God, He's got to influence your life. And the influence comes through reading His Word. As we read His Word, He influences us. He shapes us. He forms us. He transforms us. God wants all of His children to be complete. It tells us there in the last part of that verse, it says, so that we may be adequate for every good work. The only way we can be adequate and be complete for every good work is to have the Word of God in our lives, recognize the value of God's Word, that it is His Word spoken into our life, and it's profitable for reproof, for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness so that we can be equipped for everything that lies before us. But without the Word of God, I'm telling you, you will not be equipped for what lies before you. So let me ask you today. First of all, do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? If you died today, would you know that you have a personal, intimate relationship with Him and you're ready to meet your Savior. If not, the Word of God says that if you'll call upon Him, He'll save you. He'll forgive you of your sins. He'll wipe your past clean. And He'll give you a brand new future with Him. All you have to do is call upon Him, confess your sin, and ask Him to be your Savior. If that's where you are, that's where you need to start. But you may say to me today, Pastor, I've, I've done that. I'm right with God. I'm in a right relationship with God. I just need to know more of Him. I want to draw near. I want that relationship to get so intimate, so personal. I need to spend more time in His Word, and I want to draw near to Him. You, you need to confess today, God, I've not been in Your Word enough. I've not spent enough time with You. I need, I need that in my life. Lord, help me to, today to make that decision and make that solid in my life to get up and spend more time in Your Word. Find time in my life to be impressed by You in your word. So if you will stand with me, we're going to have a time of invitation. And we're going to, I'm just going to say this, the altar's open. You can come pray. You can pray for yourself, come pray for a loved one, whatever you've got on your heart, you can do. The, the, we're going to sing a song, but it's not about singing that song. It's about getting right with Jesus right now. There'll be ministers up here to meet with you. If you've got something you want to deal with today, we want to, we want to be with you in that process. What a beautiful day it'll be if people get saved in this place. What a beautiful day it'll be if people say, you know what, I want more of you, God, and I'm going to get more in your word. We make a real commitment. We do it, follow up with it with our lives. Let me pray for you. Jesus, thank you for this day. Thank you for the privilege to be in your presence this morning. Thank you for your word. Touch our hearts and let us respond as, as we're before you right now. In Jesus' name, amen. You move as God leads. We're up here for you.
Please join me in prayer. Most kind, gracious Heavenly Father, we count it such an awesome privilege, Lord, to come before Your throne. Lord, we thank You for the day that You've blessed us with, Lord, for the opportunity to gather together as children adopted into Your kingdom, Lord. We thank You for Your perfect Word, Lord, that it's been there before creation, its permanency to last into all eternity, and we put our very faith in standing on that word. Lord, we just ask for the indwelling of your spirit, Lord, to continue to lead, guide, and direct our lives, Lord, that we would live in your word day by day, seeking those truths, Lord, and how that we can apply those to our lives and live victorious for you. Dear Lord, we thank you for this opportunity, Lord, to claim the promises that we find in your word with regard to our giving. Lord, you tell us to challenge you in that, the blessings that you promise us. May it truly be a joyful act of worship as we return a portion of how you so greatly blessed us. Prepare the hearts that will receive the benefit of these gifts, Lord. Lead our church. Give us opportunities. In Christ's name, amen.